0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn in your Bible with me to Daniel chapter 2, the book of Daniel, the second chapter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. For your goodness and mercy today, Father, we thank you for the privilege of turning to your word, coming before you, coming into your presence, Father, uh, through the word and by the spirit that's on the inside of us. Father, we turn to your word today to receive insight, instruction, edification, direction. We know, Father, that your word is alive. It's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will pierce our hearts and go into our hearts and bring revelation and understanding. We look for that today. We trust the Holy Spirit to open each of our hearts to receive what the Spirit is saying to us from the Word of God. I trust you today, Holy Spirit, to give me utterance and, and that all of us have a hunger for what you have for us today. We thank you for it. Father, we pray for all who are in authority. We pray for our president. We pray for all of our leaders in Congress and, and uh, um, both houses in, in D.C., the courts. We pray for all who are in authority, federal, state, local level, right here in our own communities. We pray, Father, for our president-elect Father, that your hand would be upon him, all of the other uh, elected officials who will be taking office soon. Father, we just thank you that, that you give us good government for the sake of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. And we also, Father, pray for all of our military around the world, all of those who are serving on foreign soil, those who are serving right here uh, in, in our own country, that your hand would be upon them. All of our law enforcement across the land, that your hand would be upon them. Protect them, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen again. Amen. Hallelujah. If you found Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, I, I read this last week, and I want to read it again starting in the twenty the 20th verse, Daniel 2, verse 20 says, Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Amen. Notice it says that he reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. God knows what is in the darkness. He knows what the plans of the enemy are. Before you know about them, he already knows, and light, illumination, direction dwells with him. Amen. Now the first part of this in verse number uh, 21 it says he "He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings, gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. Uh, Last week I talked to you about the importance of our election, the importance of Christians voting and voting righteously. Uh, Today I want to talk about what now after the election. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I want us to read here this morning the first four verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and, and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to notice the first thing that stands out here to me is that he said, I exhort first of all that prayers, supplications, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men and so that we would know what all men he's talking about. He's talking about those who are in authority for kings and for all who are in authority. Of course, we don't have kings. They had kings back in those days. A few places on the earth still have kings, but mostly we have elected officials and so forth. And uh, we have presidents, we have governors, we have uh, different uh, people in authority. And that's what he's talking about. When he said, I want you to pray for all men, he was talking about all those in authority. But the thing that stands out to me is that he said, first of all, first of all, that means, what does it mean when, when, when uh, the Lord says, do this first? Does that mean do something else before that? Is it, does it mean there's something else above that, on top of that list? No, he said, I exhort that first of all. Listen, our nation is in the condition it's in because the church has not obeyed this verse of Scripture. I said, our nation is in the condition it's in because the church hasn't put first things first. This says, before you pray about yourself, listen, there's just a general biblical principle that if you consider yourself first in all things, you'll never advance in the things of God. It isn't about you first, it's always about putting someone else first. Of course, we worship God above all. But when it's talking about things that concern us in this life, he said, don't put yourself first. Don't put your own household first. Don't put your own family first. He said, first of all, pray for those in authority. We haven't done that like we should. I've noticed for many years that the church gets excited or or stirred up About praying for the government just before elections. And then after elections, that goes away. And people don't really think much about it, not much prayer is offered. And I'm telling you, the condition of our nation, what we've experienced in the last uh, number of decades has just gotten worse and worse. Ungodliness is growing. Lawlessness is growing. Uh, uh, morality, spirituality, biblical values put on the back burner uh, being uh, 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 diminished and, and, and so forth. That's the result of the church not taking its place in prayer. We've got to get back, church. We have got to get back to the principle of putting prayer for our leaders first. I'm saying that to this church. I'm saying it to the body of Christ. The church has got to get serious and not just say, well, we've had an election now. Thank God that's over. It's time to really do going forward, I'm talking week after week, month after month, year after year, putting this first. That's what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in America right now concerning its prayer for the nation. Put it first. Put it first. There, the Bible says that God changes times and seasons. That he raises up kings, put down, that means that God gets involved in the affairs of men. But he does it to the degree that the church prays. When the church doesn't pray, he can't do that like he wants to do because God really doesn't do anything in the earth unless the church asked him to do it. When Jesus ascended into heaven, before he left, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and then he left. But before he left, he transferred that authority to the church. God is limited by our prayer life. He is limited in our nation by our prayer life. He's limited in the White House by our prayer life. He's, went, he's limited in the Senate and the House of Representatives by our prayer life. He's, he's limited with our lawmakers because of our prayer life that when we don't put first things first and pray like we should for our leaders. He's limited in what he can do in the courts because of the prayer life of the church. I don't think anybody is gonna stand up and challenge me today. Not that you would, but even in your mind, I don't think there's anybody that can challenge me and say, no, pastor, I I think the church has been doing a good job in praying for the nation. I don't think anybody would say that. He said, do this first. The revival is tied, the revival in the nation is tied to what he's doing in the nation, and it's not just what he's doing in the church. Revival has to spread outside the church. Revival is really the church is revived. The, the world, sinners don't get revived. You have to be vived before you can be revived. You know, so revival is technically for the church, but the move of God that results from revival in the church spreads beyond the church and a visitation and a a powerful move of God in a nation comes from inside the church, but things outside the church affect that. Notice what he said here. He said, I exhort that first of all, this is the first thing you do, that you make prayers and supplications and intercessions, giving of thanks for kings and all who are in authority. Why? that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The cause of Christ advances when there's peace and tranquility in the church and in the nation, when there are riots and upheaval And division in the nation, it's harder for the gospel to go out. I, for one, am so tired of hearing about the different divisions in our nation. I'm so tired of hearing about the, uh, you know, in this campaign season, on the one hand, everybody is bemoaning division, All of the talking heads are bemoaning division. And at the next verse, they're breaking us all down into 100 categories. The young vote versus the old vote. The black vote versus the white vote versus the Hispanic vote versus the Asian vote. The the male vote versus the female vote. The college educated versus the high school educated. The blue collar versus the white collar. And then all of the variations and combinations of that. The white women at certain age with the edu- college education, the ones without, and they got... Listen, we're Americans. And everybody in America... Young or old, rich or poor, black or white, or or any other color, educated to the college degree or any other degree, we're all Americans and we're all important. And I am sick and tired of hearing about all of our different groupings and categorizations and classifications. We need to get rid of that. I'm tired of hearing about African-American, African-Americans, Irish Americans, Cuban Americans. We're Americans. We're Americans. Now, I said all that because division in our nation hinders the plan of God. It hinders the flow. It hinders the reception of people. And the media is not going to change it. Our politicians are not going to change this climate. They're powerless to do it. The power to change this is in the church. We're the only ones with the power. We're the only. The church is the only body. We are the only people who can turn this nation around. Outside of the church... Outside of born-again people who have a covenant with God, who know how to pray, there isn't any power out there. There isn't any civic organization. There isn't anything in natural, man. They are bankrupt. The world is bankrupt. It has no more ideas. It has no more ability. It cannot correct itself. This world will grow worse and worse and worse and worse, and only the church can be a bulwark against that. Only the church can stand up and make a difference and we've got to be serious about it. First things first. You want to have a quiet and peaceable life? Start putting prayer first. You want to see peace in the nation? Start putting prayer first. You want to see the gospel flourish and that's what he's talking about. That we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good. And acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, for what purpose? He desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This whole business of praying for our nation is ultimately for the salvation of people. Amen. We want the move of God, the awakening that we are so aware of, and we know it's there, we're hungry for, it. we talk about it, it's... It, Praying for revival is critical, but what we need to see is praying for the nation is critical, and the two are related. Amen. I said the two are related. Amen. Go with me to Second Thessalonians.' just go back a page or two. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Verse 1 and 2 says, For finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. I think the older King James says we'll have free course and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all do not have faith. Notice he said, pray for us and that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Various translations say speed ahead, spread rapidly. Another one says speed rapidly and rapidly and run its course. But I want you to notice this is talking about in the world. Because he says, as it is with you. He said, pray that the word of the Lord may Run swiftly, speed ahead, spread rapidly as it is with you. So he's talking about it, it, this happening with somebody else, somebody outside the church. He's saying pray for us as ministers that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for our government so that there will be peace so that there will be tranquility, so that it will go, so that the church isn't isn't hamstrung, so that the church isn't hindered and held back because of the government or because of currents in our nation, ungodly currents in our nation. And we've seen plenty of this. Opposition to even... Anything remotely biblical, just being mocked, and and and, and uh, uh, we've seen that. We've that's not the way it has to be. He said, "Pray that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it is with you." Can the word of God be glorified? Outside the church? That the word of the Lord, the word of God, will spread rapidly. Now, listen, he's talking about outside the church because then he, he says, as it is with you. So he's talking about somebody else. Find Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified. What does that mean? Be glorified. Well, it doesn't mean be uh Mocked. does it. It would be the opposite of that. It doesn't mean that the word of God would be uh, 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 resisted, devalued, criticized, diminished, but that it would be Listen, our nation, we can come to a place again where the things of God are revered even in the secular world. I said, we can see that again. Will the the ungodly always, yes, there will always be ungodly people here. We know that there are are certain things that, that, that we know according to the scriptures, the way the world will go. But in the middle of that, right in the middle of the world, heading headlong to judgment, there can be a mighty move of God And even among sinners, we can see the word of God spread and be glorified again. But it's going to take the church praying and not playing. Amen. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. It's not the will of God that the church be trampled down by the wicked. It's not the will of God that unreasonable and wicked people rise up and subjugate Christians, suppress Christians, persecute Christians. Now, we know persecution will come, but it's not the will of God. Persecution doesn't come from God. He doesn't inspire it. He doesn't condone it. He tells us persecution will come, but it's not of God. It's not part of his plan. Listen, forget this idea that you've heard it before. I have too, that the church, you know, gets lazy and and absorbed in the culture. And sometimes God has to allow persecution to come to stir the church up. Listen, persecution may have that effect, but persecution is not the plan of God. He doesn't send it. He's not behind it. You wouldn't do that to your children. Amen. In fact, your own children, you may be mad as a hornet with them. You might be paddling them every day, but you don't want anybody else messing with them. Isn't that right? You don't want the neighbors messing with them. You don't want some bully at school messing with them. You don't want a teacher mistreating them. And regardless of what you might have to do to discipline, you don't. I mean, if, if, if they're in an authoritative position like at school, you want them to respect those in authority. But I'm saying people who don't have any authority, don't have any right, you don't want them messing with your kids. I don't care what they've done. Now, you know that's true. You think God's any different. Where do you think that come from? Where do you think that attitude, that, that response comes from? It comes from the nature, the, the fatherly, parent, parental nature of God towards his children. That's where we get all of this. So, God wants the church to flourish, and he wants the word of God to flourish, and he wants people to come to Christ. And for that to happen, we have to pray for our leaders. It, I'm, I just want to make this real clear. Our praying for our leaders and what's going on in our nation, in the in the political realm, the financial realm, the social realm; these things affect the revival that we're praying for. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Go to Second Chronicles chapter two. Second Chronicles. Did I say chapter 2? I meant chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 14. says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, this is not just talking to the Jews under the old covenant and it's not just talking about the land of Israel because the book of Proverbs says that righteousness exalts a nation, exalts a people, but godliness or sin, how does it say? Sin is reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Well that's 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 a, that goes that, that applies anywhere. Righteousness will exalt any nation. Doesn't it's not even talking about the nation of Israel, any nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. Any nation, any tongue, any group, any culture, sin is a reproach, but righteousness will will, will bring blessing. When it says righteousness exalts a nation, it means it'll bring blessing to the nation. Well, in 2 Chronicles, he said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Back when I was a kid, I used to hear people pray, you know, and and they'd say, Oh, Lord, make me humble. Humble me in your presence, Lord. You know, that's a prayer he'll never, never, never answer. He'll never answer that prayer. He's not going to humble us. He said, If my people will humble themselves... There's going to have, if there's going to be any humbling, we have to do it. We have to be willing to humble ourselves in this business of prayer and realize that we've not done what we should have done. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their Land Now, probably most of us believe which a great victory was won last week with the election. Maybe not everybody. but mo- I think most people here would would say that uh, this election was was a great win for the nation and so forth. But if we make the mistake, of not praying, just because we think we've gotten some breathing room. I I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Lord hasn't allowed this man Donald Trump to come to the place. And we know that 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 God's in these things because He says He'll do that, and we've been praying. But I, I don't know that it's, that it's really, uh, 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 I, I wouldn't be surprised if God hasn't allowed us to elect a man who we all agree he can't succeed without prayer. I don't mean that ugly. I'm just saying he's never governed before. I'm not saying he's stupid, he's a brilliant man. But he's never been in any kind of government before. He's never served on a school board. And he's the president of the United States. He's never worked with Congress. He's never worked with an opposing political, you know, opposition. He's never done any. He's never done anything. He's going to have to do. We must pray. We prayed and put this man in office. We must not abandon him. We must pray. And the Bible talks about us as Christians not being boastful because God has put this treasure, he said, that we have in earthen vessels that the excellency of all that God's done would not be of us but all of him. Because, I mean, he deposited heaven in creeps like us. Unworthy, unable, He deposited heaven in us, so that we would so that we would know that all that anything God does, it's on Him. It's not on us. Well, we have to take that same attitude towards our government, and I'm not just talking about President-elect uh, Donald Trump, but I'm talking about all of our government officials. We need to stop looking at people and, and judging what they can or cannot do. We need to start looking at, at our responsibility in this and realize that we can pray anybody into greatness. Any elected official. If they if, I, I'll 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 uh, limit that. Any elected official, official who is open to God moving in his life. Amen. Any elected official who is open to God and the, and, the, and the basic values of the Bible, God will move on their behalf, on our, move through them on behalf of the church. Amen. Now, when you have people in office that are, that are against the things of God, against the values of the Bible, fight against it, they need to be thrown out. But there are a lot of people in government, that really want to do right. They really want to do right. We can make them succeed. Amen. He said he would heal our land. I tell you, our land needs healing. I want to read to you just a, a quick uh, excerpt. I, I copied this, printed it out from Kenneth Hagin's book, The Art of Prayer. And, and I, want you, I want to just elaborate on this. Brother Hagan wrote, he said, After the final service of our camp meeting, 79, this would be in July of 1979, some of the speakers and others went up to Kenneth Hagan Jr.'s hotel suite for sandwiches. As we were talking about the things of God, the Spirit of God kept moving on me. Actually, only three times in my life has the Spirit moved on me in such a measure. I said to the others, Let's pray. The Spirit of God keeps moving on me. We prayed. By the the Spirit, I ministered to each one present. Then I was caught up in the spirit of prayer. For lack of a better term, I was lost in the spirit. I was not unconscious, but I was more conscious of spiritual things. Spiritual things were more real than the natural. I sat with my eyes shut, praying in tongues, for what proved to be several hours. It was just after midnight when we started praying. When it was all over and I opened my eyes, it was after 4 a.m. Yet it seemed as if it had only been 10 or 15 minutes. The Lord spoke to me. Among other things, he gave me instructions concerning the prayer and healing school, which you're now holding every weekend on the Rama Bible Training Center campus. And I saw something. I saw three things coming up out of the Atlantic Ocean. They looked like three giant black frogs as large as whales. One was in midair. The other two had just stuck their heads up out of the water from the east. I had seen something similar nine years before. Jesus said to me that night in 79 Jesus said to me, You saw the same thing in 1970. I told you then exactly what they were, but you didn't do what you should have done about it. I told you back in, and in, 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 in other books and other messages, he talks about in 1970, he saw these. Three creatures that look like giant frogs, big as whales, coming up out of the Atlantic Ocean and, and hopping all across the nation, all the way to the West Coast. This is what he's talking about. He saw this in 70. He saw it again this night in 79. He said, uh, Jesus said to me, you saw the same thing in 1970. I told you then exactly what they were, but you didn't do what you should have done about it. I told you back in 1970 to pray for the leaders of this nation. What happened, Watergate and so forth, isn't all the fault of the man who was then president. I'm going to hold the Christians of this nation responsible. You are the ones who allowed what happened to your nation. If you go back, if you had prayed, it never would have happened. I showed you what was about to happen. Go back and check. Later, I went back and checked what the Lord had said to me in 1970 from tapes and manuscripts of a special meeting we held in October 1970. Jesus said to me, this is again in 79, Jesus said to me, back in 1970, you saw three similar dark objects come up out of the Atlantic and leapfrog all across the land. If you and the Christians had done what you should have done, none of these things would have happened to your nation. You would not have had the riots. You would not have had the political disturbances. Your president would not have made the mistakes he made. In fact, I'm holding the church responsible for his mistakes. Brother Hagin said, I began to weep and cry, oh God. Yes, he said, I am holding you and the church responsible. Then he said, when you tell that to some of the Christians, they will laugh. But when they stand before my judgment seat... And they received the condemnation rather than the man who was then president, they won't laugh. If Christians had done what I told them to do in the Bible, if they had prayed for the leaders of their nation, they would have kept the evil spirits from operating. Then he continued, similar things, not the same things, but similar things are about to happen again. If you do not pray, they will happen. I am not going to hold the president responsible for the nation. I'm going to hold the Christians of the nation responsible. Now, let me explain something, Brother Hagen. interjected. You have to know how to interpret these things. I saw these three creatures come up out of the Atlantic Ocean, but that does not mean they rise up out of the ocean. From Genesis to Revelation, seas and waters refer to a multitude of people. Out of the multitude of people, these things will rise up. Sinners are dominated by the devil. They're in his kingdom. Jesus said they will arise unless the Christians pray. Not for the same purposes that the other riots came, but there will be riots, tumults, and disturbances all across this nation. Second, Jesus said, something is about to happen to the president. Now, this was in in July, the last weekend of July, or last Saturday of July in 1979. He said something is about to happen to your president that should not happen and will not happen if you will pray. Well, if you remember in March of 1981, President Reagan, there was an attempt on his life. I, I firmly believe that's what this was talking about. He says something will, is about to happen that should not happen and will not happen if you will pray. Third, something is about to happen again that will bring further trouble in the economic scene, the financial structure. But you can stop all three. You can stop the upheaval in the social structure. You can stop the upheaval in, and activity of the devil in the political scene. And you can stop the devil from disrupting the financial scene of your nation. You can change all three things through intercessory prayer. This is one of the main purposes for the classes you are to begin in the fall. Now, this this happened, Brother Hagan saw these three creatures in 1970. And the Lord told him to pray so these things wouldn't happen. And, he, and Jesus said, you didn't do it. You didn't do it and the church didn't do it. In 79, Jesus told Brother Hagan in this visitation, and he saw these three things coming up again. And he said the same things, similar things are going to happen again. And they happened before because you didn't pray and the Christians didn't pray. And I'm holding the Christians responsible for what happened to Richard Nixon. Well, that was in July of '79. I heard about this the first time I heard Brother Hagan speak of this or write about this. He published his Word of Faith magazine came out every you know every month. And in January of 1980, I was a Rama student. We'd gone out to Tulsa in the fall of '79 in in August actually, and started school in, in the first week of September of 1979. And so it's now the school year. You know you know part of the way through, and it's January 1980, the Word of Faith came out. And in the Word of Faith magazine, Brother Hagan told about this visitation in 1979, the summer before. And Brother Hagan told how Jesus said, this happened in 1970 and you didn't pray. And he said, I'm holding the Christians responsible. Well, this was, was of great interest to me because this was the first I heard of it was in 1980. Because a similar thing happened to me in 1974. Not, not the same, but essentially the same truth. I, I had been a hippie. I had been an a, a, a war, you know, anti-war protester, a leftist. Just about the, the, the most extreme left policies you can imagine I worked for. I campaigned for a leftist political party. That is actually left of today's Democratic Party, and uh, I was totally entrenched in this when I got back to the fellowship with the Lord in uh, the late summer, early fall of 1972. Now, what happened in Watergate happened in the summer of 1972, but it was it started coming out later in the year, and then and then the 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 whole. Uh, 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 scandal and crisis just unfolded during the next year and into 74. Just more and more and more stuff came out. Well, I was I was not even in fellowship with the Lord when it first happened, but in the fall of 72, I got back in the fellowship with the Lord and I started going back to church either in the latter part of 72 or early 73 and one of the first things I was given when I started going back to church, an old drug head friend of mine from school was going to that church. He had gotten saved and was going to that church. And uh, and he and I were both involved in drugs and that drug culture. And he was there. And he gave me my first book by Kenneth Hagin. Just, I mean, almost as soon as I started going back to the church, he gave me, he said, you need to read this. So I started reading Brother Hagin's writings. And I read in one of his books in the early 70s, like I said, uh, seventy. Three, 74, I, 73, 74, 73, uh, early 73, started reading these things. And I read the Brother Hagan, you know, his teachings on you need to pray for your government. But I didn't do it. Because you see, I still had a lot of rebellion. I was, I was, I was, the love of God was spread abroad in my heart, but I still didn't like Richard Nixon. I thought he, he stood for everything I I was against. And that rebelliousness was still in me, and on in in uh august seventy four when uh, Richard Nixon resigned, you know he spoke to the nation on on uh, on August the eighth gave his address to the nation, said he was resigning noon the next day the next day, August the ninth you remember the iconic scene he to the helicopters you know marine one sitting on the back lawn of the of the of the white house he comes out and gets on the plane does his farewell you know and leaves i was working at the time i did telephone work and i was installing a telephone system in a department store uh now back then if you if you this was before electronic stores uh if you wanted a tv you went to a department store sears pennies Montgomery Wards, what were some of the others, you know. And on the second floor, behind furniture and beddings, back in that part of the second floor, there would be a section where they had TVs. Does anybody remember that? That's where you bought TVs. There were no, there were no uh, electronic stores per se back then. And so that's where he went to buy TVs. And in the back of the store, there would be, they they were all black and white, you know. Uh, they had color had come out. My wife and I got our first color TV in 76, I think. And, and it was awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but, but they had color TVs, but most people were still buying, buying black and white. And they'd have about 10 TVs set up in the back of the department store. And they had console TVs, you know, the ones in the in the wooden cases with a stereo, you know, and a turntable and all that in it, you know. And then they had some portable TVs. And uh, and so you, you went to get a TV, that's where you went. Well, this day, you can't, if you weren't there, you just, if you're too young to remember, this was the biggest news. I mean, it was bigger than anything going on today. The president has resigned from office. He's being in peace. He's going to resign. So he resigns. So... On, on, during my, now I was working in the in the equipment room behind back in the back of the store, on the second floor. They had a uh, customer service area, you know, where they did. Do they still do layaway? They did layaways and gift wrapping and stuff like that, you know. And the equipment room for I was installing this telephone equipment was back behind the gift wrapping counter. Well, I had come out during a break and I walked out, you know, to watch TV because everybody was. It was the biggest news there there was. All the TV stations showed Marine One sitting there, you know, waiting on the president. And probably 10 or 15 people in the store had gathered, you know, and everybody's standing there. I didn't know a person because I was working and I just walked out on my break. So I'm standing there, minding my own business. And people are, I'm listening to people. And people are criticizing President Nixon. Oh, I tell you, it's just a shame what he's done. I mean, it was just terrible, terrible. Well, it was. He should have never done the things that he did. He, tr- he tried to obstruct justice, cover up a cover up, and and it was bad. And people now, some people, they're they probably equally split. Some people were saying, well, I, I I think he's just a scapegoat, you know. And there's a lot of people done far worse than this, and they're just using this, you know, to he's they're using him as a scapegoat. Some people were taking his, his side. I'm just standing there, kind of minding my own business, but I'm thinking, dirty dog, you finally went down. I, I know. I told a friend of mine when this first happened in '72. I said, they're gonna get him. And he said, oh no, it'll never happen. You know, the, the, the powerful never get, they, it'll just be brushed under the, the rugs. Nothing will ever happen. I said, you watch heads roll. So I was, stand, I was glad heads were gonna roll. And I'm just standing there thinking, you know, how bad President Nixon is just to myself. I tell you what, the Lord knows what you're thinking. And I'm standing there not talking to anybody and the spirit of God spoke up in me so strong that it startled me. And I'm thinking about how bad he was and the Holy Ghost said, yeah, and it's all your fault and the rest of the Christians because you never prayed. Not one time did you ever pray. When I realized that the break-in happened in 72, but all following that into 72, 73, President Nixon kept making one mistake after another. He kept, he kept digging the hole deeper for himself. He actually started obstructing justice. And during this time, I was in fellowship with the Lord, and I had been taught to pray, but I wouldn't do it because I didn't like him. And the Holy Ghost just, I mean, it's just like he, he stood right in front of me. Not in, this wasn't that still small voice. This was the authoritative voice, authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. He said, yeah, and it's all your fault, just like that. He said, it's all your fault and the rest of the Christians because you never prayed. And just like Brother Hagan said, when the Lord said that to him, he said he began to weep and cry. I mean, tears just started, just came out of my eyes. And I, I just, you know, left. It wasn't far it over to the equipment room. We just went back to the equipment room, sat down on a box of, of supplies, just sat there and cried. Because I realized, I mean, I tell you, when the God speaks to you like that, it's over. There's no arguing, there's no defending yourself. I knew I was guilty. I didn't I didn't I shared that with one or two people, but I didn't talk about it very much because frankly, though I knew God had spoken to me, I still questioned a little bit the his attitude. <laughs> I mean, he said it's your fault and the rest of the Christians. He said it just like that. I mean, if if I can I, I don't want to say that, that it was a disgusted tone. That might be fair. It was, if it wasn't dismissive of the Christians, let me just say this, he had an attitude. And he said the Christians. And, 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 that, and those two words, the way he said it, the Christians, it just kind of bothered me. I thought, was that really God? I mean, he's talking about us. Oh, loving Father. I question that. Well, when I read this in the Word of Faith in 1980, and I saw that he said exactly the same things to Kenneth Hagin, and he used to say, he said, you tell that to some of the Christians and they will laugh three or four times here. He said, it's the the fault of you and the Christians. Well, that made a real impression on me. Uh, And after that, I determined, I repented, and I determined I would pray. And I'm telling you just what the Lord told brother Hagan. He didn't go into all this other detail with me. I didn't see all those things. He didn't tell me all this other stuff that he told brother Hagan. But what he told brother Hagan is true. If we pray, we can stop things. If we don't pray, listen, those demon spirits, those works of darkness are relentless. They always try to come back. They always try to do it again. And it is in our power to stop it. I said, it's in our power to stop it. And what I'm telling you today as as the church, we must put prayer first. I said, we must. Prayer for our nation, first things first. As Christians, let me just say it a different way if I can. As Christians, in our individual lives, we need to realign our thinking, each one of us, and accept the fact that God said to us, first of all, pray for, your, for those in authority. Did he not say it? We have got to, to, to let that register on us and we've got to change. We have to change. We have to do this. And, and, and I will preach about other, I won't preach about this every Sunday. I'll preach about other things. But when I'm not preaching about it, we still have to do it. You understand what I'm saying? We have to do this. Because we have a president, we have, he needs our prayers. But everybody needs our prayers. The ones who are experienced and the ones who are inexperienced, those evil spirits are always trying to influence people in government. We can stop these things. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I've gone far enough. I only got through about half my stuff. But, but, you know, I got my point across. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. We need to pray for four things. We need to pray for all who are in authority. We need, we need to pray that we may lead, as the church, we may lead quiet and peaceable lives being delivered from unreasonable and wicked people. Number 3, we need to pray that the word will have will 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 spread speedily, be glorified. And four, we need to pray for revival in the church and a turning to God in this nation, an awakening. Amen. I want to I want to read to you what what the Lord gave us in 19 in in 27 in 2013, excuse me, 2013. On a Sunday night, I got up and I said this. I want to give you a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is an operation of the Spirit where the Holy Spirit reveals things to come and He reveals His plan and His purpose. And while we were worshiping the Lord tonight, I received this word of wisdom. And and, and that is that there is coming to America a fresh visitation of God. There is coming to this nation a fresh visitation of God's power and of God's Spirit. And listen, what happened in this election is part of this. I said, it's part of this because it's giving us an opportunity to have people in government who at the head of our nation who was utterly dependent upon our prayers. He said, there's coming a fresh visitation from God. There's coming to this nation, a fresh visitation of God's power and of God's spirit. And churches that have seen their membership and their attendance dwindle will see the crowds returning again. We're moving into a time again where church houses that respect and honor the move of the Spirit will be filled again like like they once were. Sunday night services will be filled like Sunday morning services. There is coming a hunger upon the people of this land and there is an inflow into the family of God in these last days and there is a move of God on. Now the enemy will fight this and darkness in our nation and around the world will grow worse. Men will grow darker still. And the power of the devil will multiply. But at the same time, God is raising up a standard in these last days. And the people of God will arise like never before, move in the power of the Spirit of God. And there will be a great awakening and a turning to the Lord in this nation. And not just in salvation, but a return to the Lord and a turning to the Spirit of God. There will be church services that are conducted. And the enemy will send people into these church services to do harm. People with guns, people will come into church services intending to do harm and the Spirit of God will stop it. They'll, and they'll be unable to move and unable to operate. And it will be by the standard of the Spirit of God in these last days and it will come to pass. Hallelujah. There will come, this will come about as a result of prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is saying He has not turned a deaf ear to the prayers of His people. And the prayers of the saints have ascended to him, particularly praying for this nation and for a turn spiritually in this nation. And those prayers will be answered. God is not unfaithful to forget or to not answer the prayers of his people. And services, like I said, on Sundays, people will be packing out houses of worship where the spirit of the Lord is in manifestation, where the word of God is ministered. But it's not just Sundays. Wednesday night services, special prayer services like we have on Monday night. People will fill church auditoriums to get involved in these last days. I'm telling you, church, it's coming. It's coming, it's coming. Glory to God. Before Jesus returns, there will be a powerful witness in this earth. Glory to God. So don't be discouraged. Don't look at the world. Don't look at the nation. Don't look at things going on and be discouraged. Know that God has a plan and he will move again in ways that our hearts have longed for for a long time Oh, it's coming, praise God. I, I really believe this election was necessary uh, and is part of what God's doing as a result of prayer. But I tell you what, now is, is, is not just the time to not pray. Now is the time to step it up. And I want all of you to accept that responsibility. The Apostle Paul said, first of all, put this first. Put this first. Keep our leaders first in your praying, those in authority. Amen. God, God, I tell you what, what we're going to see, if we'll do this, what we will see in this nation will be beyond anything you can imagine, beyond anything any of us can imagine. Amen. God, I tell you what, prayer is powerful. When you pray along the lines of the Word of God in agreement with the Word of God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Yes, the world is growing worse, but the church can grow brighter. And there's a harvest to come in right in the, from the middle of this mess. There's a great harvest that, that needs to come in. It can come in. Amen.